You're listening to the Niners Bros, your home for post-game analysis, correcting media narratives, and keeping you up to date on all things San Francisco 49ers. What's up, guys? I'm Michael Ditchfield. And I'm David Ditchfield, and we are the Niners Bros. On this week's episode, we break down the Niners' 27-7 thrashing of the hated division rival Seahawks. An important victory for them after stumbling in week one to the Bears, especially considering in the last couple of years no team that started 0-2 has made the playoffs, and also considering that there are so many playoff teams on deck for the 49ers, really couldn't afford to bungle another one here, so good to see them come out with a, a really strong win. Not too many emerging storylines from this game, kind of nondescript, you know? Yeah, basically just, you know, your average 27-7 to 7 drubbing, no real major headlines coming out of this one. I mean, there was that one thing with Trey Lance. Should we, should we talk about that? Yeah, um, that's true. We, we probably should talk about that. Yeah, so Trey Lance, out for the year with a fractured ankle. The 49ers, for the fourth time in six years, are going to be navigating their regular season without their starting quarterback, and I have no words. Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, there were some reports earlier in the week that Trey Lance might possibly be available later in the season, but Kyle Shanahan later came out and basically squashed those and said that Trey Lance is done for the year no matter what. You can certainly understand uh, Kyle is probably ready to stop answering questions about the quarterback room at this <laughs> you point. Think? Yeah, so... Boy, when you talk about a team that is snake-bitten, I don't recall any team having worse injury luck than the San Francisco 49ers under Kyle Shanahan. Um, Gosh, they've just been in the top three every single year in terms of season-ending injuries, most time on IR, and basically just most missed games. It's been really terrible and you know the 49ers have to be just shaking their heads at this point it seems like every year they are firing and replacing their entire uh, strength and wellness team and it doesn't matter who they hire who they bring in they just can't seem to get over these injuries and uh, on top of that I actually had a little bit of deja vu when Jimmy came over in 2017 he took over a 1 and 10 49ers team that was pretty terrible uh, he came in, won the final five games, got himself a massive new deal, and he goes into the season as the Niners' starting quarterback. So in the offseason, he had a sort of notorious moment where he was uh, busted for going out with an adult film actress. And then this week, Trey Lance is busted uh, making it rain, allegedly, I should say, allegedly making it rain on some professional working women after signing his big contract. It's his first year as the Niners starter, and now he's down too. Okay, to be fair, this is not just the Niners issue. You know, the Jets, Zach Wilson, he's missing a few games after infamously having a dalliance with his mother's best friend. So it's not just Colin Cowherd who holds quarterbacks to a high standard. Apparently the football gods too, they they have spoken and they want these quarterbacks to, to just study more tape, guys. Yeah, you'd certainly think that would be a year-long injury, not just four weeks, right? Come on. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just something about New York. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, just devastating, you know, for Trey Lance to have that injury. And of course, the number one question on everybody's minds, who is to blame? Is this Kyle Shanahan's fault, you know, for his usage, for running him up the middle? So many questions in the press conference, leading questions, trying to get Shanahan to admit that this was his fault or to express regret. And he was not having it. No, and I'm sure everybody listening to this has your own opinion of whether or not Kyle Shanahan is responsible and to what degree. 
Uh, but yeah, like you said, in that post-game press conference, he was kind of keeping it professional and answering, but he kept getting peppered with these questions that were basically implying that it's his fault. And he got pretty salty, which, you know, I'm going to be honest, um, I appreciate that. He's not just this straight-laced, button-up guy who gives you nothing but cliches. He will actually talk to you. He actually tells you what he's thinking. Um, So I find it refreshing. Uh, Again, whether you agree or not that it's Kyle Shanahan's fault, uh, Kyle Shanahan certainly doesn't see it that way, and he wasn't shy about telling us. Basically, he pointed to Buffalo and some of these other teams that do run those QB uh, draws up the middle. And for whatever reason, they have not had these injuries happen to them despite uh, similar usage. Obviously, Trey Lance ran it a lot in the first two games, whether that was by design or him just keeping it, um, you know, a healthy mix of the two. But certainly Kyle Shanahan was upset, um, implying that uh, none of the media is watching any of these other teams. Uh, And again, you know, just pretty salty overall. We get it, and it's easy to make those comparisons to talk about, you know, RG three and his injury, or to go over all these stats about Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or who's running up the middle, and to to draw your own conclusions. Especially, you know, it's a sad time if you have a Trey Lance jersey and you're sitting there, and, and you know there's no point in wearing it for the rest of the year because he's not going to be on the field. But at the end of the day, it was a football play, and even if this isn't what you want to hear, fans, as you're listening he was not injured because of wear and tear. He was injured, you know, just because of a a fluke, a freak accident. It wasn't a dirty hit from a Seahawks player. It wasn't the sort of thing where he was lowering his shoulder, plowing forward and one of his own teammates rolled up on his ankle. It was one of those injuries where he could have handed the ball off. There was a defensive end that could have given Ray Ray, you know, some trouble, but you like to think he can get around him. You know, it didn't look like it would have been that bad of a decision to hand it off. And instead, he keeps it, goes forward a yard or two, is met with resistance. And instead of either trying to get to the outside or lowering his shoulder, he just kind of squares, squats a little bit and, and sits down with his feet out in front of him. And his ankle gets squished. And it's it seems to be one of those things where it was like a classic case of he got hurt trying not to get hurt you you almost would have liked his odds a lot better if he'd actually lowered his shoulder if he had just gone to the ground but being caught in between which has been a recurring problem for him for whatever reason the college tape is amazing and he looks like cam newton he's gotten to the nfl and he just has been an incredibly awkward tentative runner he doesn't seem to know how to finish his runs and and, and there you go. That's that's what happened. Yeah, and with those read option plays, of course, as the quarterback, you're basically trained that if you see that defensive end or that, that linebacker crashing in, then you hand it off. If they actually do maintain and they seal that edge, then typically you keep it. But again, on that play, you have to like Ray Ray's chances, uh, you know, to outrun outrun the defender there. You know, when you saw what Trey was looking at. I mean, there really wasn't much there for him to keep it. So it's one of those plays that all happens really fast. And like you said, just a freak accident. Um, It was really unusual to just see a guy sort of plant his feet, leave his feet out there, and then kind of just fall backwards or lean backwards trying to avoid a hit. You know, like you said, uh, getting hurt, trying not to get hurt. It's like that old saying about prevent defense. The only thing it does is prevent you from winning. 
And, you know, in the NFL, you basically have to go full tilt 100% of the time. You know that injuries are going to happen, but if you're playing the game to avoid injuries, you are going to get hurt. And, you know, even if you don't get hurt, you're certainly not going to have success against guys that are going full tilt. And we understand it's a devastating injury. It's going to be the third year in a row that he's not starting more than two football games as a quarterback. It's it's devastating, not just physically, but to his development and, and his potential to be the 49ers starting quarterback next season and that's certainly a lot of information to take in it's not really productive in the here and now the 49ers have a game coming up against the denver broncos that they need to win they have a season with a top five nfl roster and the bottom line is you wish him well you wish him a speedy recovery you know you wish him all the good things you know as far as his mental development and learning the game and and where to go with the ball and and whatever else he can can learn while he's holding a clipboard again this year but in the meantime you know there was a backup plan. <laughs> yeah, how about that, right? Jimmy G, welcome back. Um, unbelievable situation there to be um, thrown into the fire. Um, you know, he comes into the game on a third down in week two. Unbelievable. I yeah. mean, who thought that Jimmy G was going to be seeing game time this early? There was talk about how if Trey struggles, you might see Jimmy around week six or week eight, something like that. But obviously nobody could have predicted Trey getting hurt the way he did. And with that kind of injury, Trey, of course, was carted off the field in an air cast. So it's not like, you know, he got a stinger or, you know, maybe it's a concussion where he's got to go and miss a play or miss a series. It's pretty clear that that is like a season ending kind of injury. So Jimmy coming into that game knows not just that I'm going to be the guy for this drive or maybe the rest of this game. This is my show going forward. So talk about a, a pressure-filled situation. You know, you'd think that would be kind of stressful for most people, right? Like you go from like, I'm the backup, I'm having a nice time, you know, and then suddenly you are in the game, it's third down. Um, so that's, a, again, a, a pretty high-pressure situation. But boy, when you saw the look on his face when he was coming into that game in the huddle, he was just beaming ear to ear, thrilled to be in there, thrilled to have a chance to compete. So again, it's third down and the Seahawks dial up a blitz, which of course was the smart play, right? <laughs> Jimmy G coming in. Nobody knows if he's truly healthy or not. The Niners are saying he's healthy, but is he healthy? Nobody knows. He hasn't seen any reps in preseason. He hasn't seen any reps in training camp. Um, basically again just right into the fire so jimmy comes in he stands in tall takes a massive <laughs> shot and completes the pass didn't pick up the first down but moved the ball a little bit making the field goal just a little bit easier yep and the seahawks they they have a drive after that that goes nowhere and, and jimmy gets the ball right back and it is interesting we're not accusing the 49ers players of not having trey lance's back or anything like that but when you think back to last year, the Lions game, when Jason Verrett went down, how the team just seemed completely demoralized. And after that, it started to be reflected in the score. It was like no one could focus, and the Lions just kept scoring and scoring. And then the 49ers almost blew that game. In this situation, um, unfortunately, it was just one of those things where, like you're saying, it was such a special circumstance to know. I mean, Trey Lance's foot is going the wrong way. Jimmy is in, and you just know that he's the guy. And it almost seemed like there was a burst of energy. The offense finally had some rhythm. Jimmy was possessed with the spirit of Tom Brady. Like, there's no other way to say it. In the first half, 
He was 8 of 11 for 109 yards for a 9.1 average, um, including that next drive I was talking about. He goes bang, bang, bang to Ayuk, uh, Ray Ray, and Dwelly for the long touchdown, and it's pandemonium. Everyone's losing their minds. Yeah, and of course, the sun comes out, the clouds part, and it's just this (laughs) amazing moment where you can hear the angels singing, like, talk about Jimmy Garoppolo's best day ever, right? So uh, in the end, he finished with a pretty typical Jimmy G stat line, 13 of 21. His passer rating was right at 100.1. Again, didn't play the whole game, of course, but finished with 154 yards, had that touchdown, and of course had a rushing touchdown as well. So uh, how many of you had Jimmy Garoppolo with more rushing touchdowns than Trey Lance through week two? Yeah, that's that's one. If you bet in Vegas, congratulations. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's why the, the house always wins. I don't know. Um, but not not this time. Like you said, just a, a shocker. Really interesting just the way the game unfolded from there. The Seahawks couldn't get anything going. Um, nice to see the 49ers, you know, put a few drives together. Uh, you know, a field goal, uh, another touchdown. Um, nice to see, too, uh, another interception. You know, a, a really, really nice play from Hufanga with good coverage on Lockett. Tips it up to Gibson, who's been a, a bit of a surprise. Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, couldn't say enough about the performance from Hufanga in week one. He comes back with another strong outing in week two. You know, he maybe could have had that interception himself, but, you know, again, a great play um, to just break up that pass, give another defender a shot at it. Um, Nice to see Gibson contribute, too. He was a guy that we signed to the practice squad, you know, weren't necessarily expecting him to see any meaningful game snaps, but he's been able to come out and and beat out the competition as well. And the Niners didn't get any points off of that turnover, uh, but it was interesting. They had a a decision on fourth and nine from the 39, and Jimmy threw one up to Danny Gray, and it it wasn't anywhere close to being a completion, but you like the aggressiveness. You know, even with a lead, they didn't. And that's where you wonder how much of it with Jimmy. It's just different with Trey Lance the team and again you can't take too much into account because of the weather game against the Bears but it just felt like the team had more aggressiveness and was willing to, to take some shots I'm sure Gray would have loved to have made the highlight reel and made a catch there but coming out of that the the Seahawks finally were able to put a bit of a drive together but that stalled <laughs> inside the 10 yard line as they go to some bizarre trick play uh, just a terrible terrible throw from from their running back right into the hands of Mooney Ward. Welcome to the Niners with your first interception. Yeah, and if they want to run that play again, I think any time, uh, that, that would be great. Um, you know, just a really terrible throw there into double coverage. Not sure if he was trying to pull it back or what, but just a woefully underthrown ball directly to Mooney. Uh, so as you said, that's his first pick of the year. Uh, and if you want to talk about um, improvements from this year, uh, boy, you got to start with Mooney yeah. and having a healthy... Uh, e-man on the outside as well yeah, that one gets past josh norman i'm just saying <laughs> or he's flagged for something <laughs> yeah basically the only thing josh norman did well last year was was force some fumbles which was better than nothing but but in coverage he was a worse liability than ryan gosling and remember the titans let's be honest um, coming out of that nice to see the 49ers special teams do something special with Tavarius Moore, you know pushing the blocker back into the punt returner muffed punt ball bouncing around 49ers get the ball and then they they punch it in with a touchdown to yours truly yours truly Kyle Juszczyk nice to see him get the ball he hasn't been used a a whole lot early on but nice to see him with a touchdown there and the 49ers go up 20 to nothing at halftime and this game feels completely out of hand Seattle has nothing nothing going yeah yeah and you mentioned Juszczyk there um in the post-game press conferences all the players were saying the right thing about you know, having Trey's back and how he was the quarterback, but 
you know, we got to just keep pressing through and we're really glad that we've got Jimmy. One of the things Juice said that I thought was interesting is um, he said that basically when Jimmy came in, it felt like Niners football. And I don't know that that's necessarily an indictment of what the Niners have done up to this point in the year. But certainly, at best, he's saying that it was unfamiliar. They were still kind of feeling it out. Obviously, Trey Lance, the biggest thing he needs is reps, reps, reps. But you know who else needs reps is Kyle Shanahan. Um, Figuring out Trey Lance, what kind of plays is he best at? What does he struggle at? What is he most comfortable going to in those high-pressure situations, those third downs? Um, And that's something where Kyle Shanahan is learning on the job as well. Whereas when Jimmy comes in, he doesn't even have to think about it. He can yeah. call that game, you know, you know. I mean, how many times did you see, you know, whether it was Debo or one of the running backs in the backfield, just motion out to the left to not even be part of the play, but to draw a linebacker because you know that Jimmy wants to throw over the middle. And that's, for better or worse, I think that's what Niners fans can expect going forward is, is the middle of the field is going to be prioritized again. It's not a strength for Lance. He's great outside the numbers. He can hit these deep shots like the, the slot fade to Jennings last week. But Jimmy just owns the middle of the field, and he posted the fastest release time, I think, or, or he and Brady were, were right up next to each other uh, this week. And, okay, get, get ready for, for an offense that's – I'm sorry if you're a Trey Lance apologist. We certainly are fans on this podcast, and we're hoping for big things. But, but get ready for that quick rhythm Jimmy offense. Yeah. And it'll be very interesting to see, uh, you know, some new wrinkles, of course. Um, It'll be interesting to see how much Jimmy throws to the outside or if he's willing to throw those deep balls. I think last year we saw like the most conservative, ultra conservative approach from Jimmy that we've ever seen. And I think there was a lot of pressure with Trey Lance behind him, knowing the Niners didn't get off to a great start. Jimmy wasn't necessarily lighting the world on fire. And the whole reason that you bring in Trey Lance is for those home run throws, um, those big plays, which Jimmy has historically um, either missed on or really more like he just hasn't even attempted them. Sure. So I think that throw to Danny Gray that you mentioned um, in the end zone on that fourth down, obviously not a great throw, not a great route. It was into double coverage, but I mean, if you're going to be punting from there anyway, you're just hoping to get it to the 10. So if it's intercepted, what's the big deal? Sure. Um, so it was nice to even see him try. Again, it was yeah. it looked terrible, but it was like, hey, Jimmy just threw a deep ball. And well, that he, was, did, he did mention 2017 vibes, too, and that, you know, coming in and not having a game plan where it's Kyle Shanahan setting him up with the, the, the 25 slants that he wants to throw the best you know, to actually have some throws planned to the outside or deep shots. Who knows? Maybe Jimmy playing a little bit looser. I know that the deep ball is not his specialty, but if Shanahan is scheming these guys wide open, frankly, it would be nice to have a fourth quarter where the defensive linemen are not batting down balls left and right because they finally figured out he's not going to throw outside this, this third down or this critical play. You know, it's, it's going to be something up the middle. That was so frustrating in that Super Bowl with the chiefs. So as much as Jimmy Garoppolo has done great things and taken the 49ers, to, to some some places that as a fan you have to be happy that at least we're in the NFC championship game while some other teams can't even seem to to make it back to the playoffs it'll be nice to see him branch out a little bit if possible so. yeah and when you talk about those 2017 vibes again he was taking over for a one in ten team and he was famously quoted as saying that you know he he knew basics of the playbooks but he was throwing to receivers and he literally didn't even know their names sure. he just got there And I think the plan wasn't even to bring him in. I want to say C.J. Beathard was the quarterback and he got hurt or whoever was the quarterback at that time actually got hurt. 
and Jimmy was thrust into action before they were wanting him to come in. Against Seattle. He, like yeah, that's full circle. He, he comes oh, in. Yeah, he comes in and wins the final five games, beats two playoff teams in that 2017 run. Like you said, no expectations. It's a terrible team just playing loose and free, having fun playing football. And yeah, you certainly could just see that on his face. You could feel the team really responding to him. Um, he's just handled this whole situation as well as anybody possibly could. And to be fair, Trey Lance, I think, has handled it really well also. Um, it's just a really awkward, unusual situation all around. But I feel like from top to bottom, the Niners organization has really handled this as well as they possibly could. Probably the most amusing part of all of this, too, is how transparent Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have been while also leaving the national media completely befuddled and confused and theorizing. This is something we talk about all the time, that they tend to answer questions honestly and then do exactly what they say and the media completely ignores whatever they say and says okay so what is the secret meaning behind this what are what are they really doing why are they trying to prop up Jimmy Garoppolo or why are they trying to prop up Lance are they going to trade him or does this mean you know they they do so much theorizing yeah and boy if you want to talk about a team that has more BS media narratives I, I don't think you can find one that has more false narratives than the Niners. You know, the entire media was saying all year, it's Mac Jones, it's Mac Jones. You know, Shanahan's bluffing, it's Mac Jones. The media was certain of this. Um, you have that BS report from Florio that uh, the Niners received an offer for Jimmy of... of <laughs> what is it, like what, a, two, yeah, two second round picks or something, or something like something that. Yeah, something ridiculous. Um, not even sure, you know, what he was smoking when he said that, but... Um, just so many terrible, terrible takes. And like you said, just desperately trying to figure out what Shanahan and Lynch could possibly mean. And they do exactly what they say they're yeah. going to do. They said they were going to trade him, but then the injury affected it and they couldn't find a taker. And as it turns out, that's exactly what happened. And then they said, well, we're not going to cut him. Yeah, they said he's too, yeah, he's too good of a football player. We're not just going to let him go. So if we can't find a trade partner... We're not just going to cut him. That's what they said. And of course, everyone's like, oh, well, that's ridiculous. You have to cut they him. can't. The salary cap. You know, have you ever seen the Saints or the Rams? The salary cap is malleable, let's be honest. And, and certainly they were able to move things, and it helped that Jimmy was willing to take a pay cut for sure. But And it was the same thing going back even with Debo too, right? So Debo scrubs his social media presence. All of the stories are like, this is done. He is absolutely out of there. He hates San Francisco. He doesn't want to be there. This is a done deal. He's gone. And what do Shanahan and Lynch say? They say, well, we believe Debo is a special player. We want him to be part of the team. We're doing everything we can to bring him back. And that's our goal. We're confident that we're going to bring him back. You know who's back this year? Debo Samuel. Yeah, and everyone acted like it was just leveraging that the 49ers said they weren't going to trade him so that they could drive the price up. It almost reminds me, if, if there are any Office fans listening, of Daryl and Kelly Kapoor yeah. when, when in that brief sort of window of the show where they're dating and Kelly says, Daryl is the most complicated man I've ever met. Who says exactly what they're thinking? What sort of game is that? Uh, and that, that seems to be how they operate. But enough about Jimmy. We're going to see his handsome face in a lot of games moving forward. Uh, just as far as game flow from that point, not too much going on in the second half. It was a little irritating, all the people who jinxed the 49ers special teams. Um, and then you, know, you give up that, that block field goal for a touchdown, which ended up being the only points for Seattle in the game. Um, but after that, just a lot of kind of punting back and forth. 
um, kind of a conservative game plan from the Niners. You know, yeah, the, kind of you know the again, the weather was a little bit of a factor uh, towards the end of the game as well. But, you know, once the game is out of hand, just running the ball a lot. Uh, the Niners uh, ran for 189 yards to uh, 36 yards um, on the ground for the Seahawks. So definitely that's some, that's some Niners football there, uh, dominating in the run game, dominating in the time of possession as well, almost 2-1 to one in time of possession. Yeah, 38-20 for the Niners and 21-40, which I think is especially helpful for our defense to get some rest before chasing Russell Wilson around this week. The last thing in the world you wanted was to have one of those games, even if you won where you had a lot of long drives or, or third down conversions from the other team and, and the, the, the horsemen up front, you don't want those guys to be worn out coming into a game against Russell Wilson. Yeah, so Jeff Wilson ended up being the leading rusher in this one. He carried the ball 18 times for 84 yor- yards. That's a, a 4.7 yards per carry. Uh, The next leading rusher was Ty Davis-Price with 14 carries. Um, His average was not nearly as good. He did have a couple of nice runs, but he also got stuffed way behind the line a couple of times on some missed assignments. Seemed like Brendel. Yeah, not sure sure who it was, but uh, yeah, definitely a couple of runs there that were uh, dead in the water before he even got the ball. So uh, Davis-Price finished with only 33 yards and uh, unfortunately was injured in this game as well. High ankle sprain, sounds like he's going to be out a few weeks, and just the injuries continue to pile up at running back for the Niners. But I'm glad that they resisted the urge to to compensate by giving the ball to Debo Moore. He only had four carries for 53 yards, and 51 of those came on a magical run that I'm sure we'll be watching highlights of for years. Yeah, just spectacular. Uh, again, it's one of those plays where he's dead, got him dead to rights, you know, three or four yards in the backfield. You know, because it's Debo, you're thinking, well, maybe there's a chance he gets it back to the line of scrimmage, which is phenomenal just in and of itself. And then um, there's some photos going around where it's Debo past the line of scrimmage, and in front of him there's three defenders. And then the next photo is Debo running down the field, getting trailed by basically the entire Seahawks defense. Uh, just a magician with the ball in his hands, and boy, are we glad he's back. Yep, for sure. Another storyline in this game that we were following closely after feeling so ill-used in the first game against the Bears was it was nice to see the 49ers only penalized once for 26 yards, albeit, but only one penalty um, to Seattle 10. Yeah, really flipped the script on that one. Last week, it was our turn uh, to get penalized out the wazoo. Uh, This week, Seattle, 10 penalties for 106 yards, as you said. Uh, Our only penalty was on an Emmanuel Mosley pass interference on DK Metcalf. I know you didn't like that one either. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, obviously, it looks terrible. There's definitely uh, solid contact before the ball arrives. In that particular case, I do feel that Mosley was definitely going for the ball. That was one where they were both kind of waiting for the ball to get there. It was a a really late throw. Uh, DK Metcalf is just a hulk of a human being, and he takes up a lot of space. So, you know, he was basically just standing there waiting for the ball to arrive. Uh, Mosley obviously comes in, is making a play for the ball. He's not attacking DK by any stretch. But, again, I'm not going to complain. One penalty for 26 yards, that's certainly doable. Um, But, again, you know, the defender does have a right to go for the ball. Sure. But I get it. Yeah. Other notable performances in this game. Nice to see another phenomenal game from Hufunga, who continues to be an absolute steal 
as someone who came in, you know, not even knowing if he would end up winning that safety job. And he has just been all over the field, just making a huge difference. The offensive line played better in this one as well. A couple potential missed assignments from Brendel that kind of blew up some running plays. But in general, they got good push the entire game. Spencer Burford has not allowed a pressure in two games. I know some people don't care for that stat, but but it passes the eye test too. Yeah, and you know, again, you're talking about a draft steal, certainly there. Um, another surprise was, uh, do you know who the highest graded 49er was on offense? I believe it was Aaron Banks. Aaron Banks, yeah. So again, I'm not sure who had the, who had money on Aaron Banks to have the highest PFF grade on the offense. Uh, but wow, if those guys can play consistently the way they did this week, the Niners are going to be in really good shape. Uh, another a nice bounce back game for Dre Greenlaw too. Sure, sure. Uh, we were certainly pretty critical of him, and I'm sure he would be critical of himself uh, after that Week One performance. But he came back, actually led the team in tackles. Uh, it was only six tackles, um, but he made some really solid like open field tackles and. Nice for him, too, coming off an extension earlier this week, uh, an extra two years added to his contract, and frankly, a smart decision by the team. Fred Warner is under contract long-term, but both Greenlaw and Alshair were going to be free agents after this year. You'd love to see them both come back, Alshair and Greenlaw, but you never know. Um, But boy, yeah, not household names by any stretch of the imagination, but anybody who knows anything about football has the 49ers linebacking core in those top two or three units in the NFL just really really solid players I do have a theory though that after week one the 49ers already had Greenlaw's extension wrapped up but they didn't want to announce it because of all those boneheaded penalties against the Bears <laughs> they they didn't want to picket line outside of, of season ticket holders threatening to sell but uh overall just a, a solid game from so many of the different units um, also we should mention Wisnowski you know yeah. Greenlaw wasn't the only one to get an extension yeah Wisnowski the Boomin Onion Boomin Onion gets a four-year deal so he's been really solid for us too um, you know, we were coming out of the uh, Bradley Pinion years who Bradley Pinion was a great guy and, you know, he had a lot of really good kicks. He also shanked quite a few. Um, and it's really nice to just have a bit more consistency from that position from Wisnowski. Um, and he's really upped his, his coffin corner kicking as well. Um, he's been doing really well lately, pinning guys inside the, the 20 and, and inside the 10 as well. Sure. A couple quick injury updates coming out of this game. Obviously, Trey Lance never to be heard from in 2022 and early 2023. But as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Ty Davis price goes down with a high ankle sprain. A lot of people wanted to see Jordan Mason anyway, just to see what he could do. He seemed like a really intriguing prospect in preseason. Marlon Mack signed to the, uh, the active roster. Interestingly, I don't know if you know this. I used to work with Marlon Mack's dad at, yeah. at a Hyatt hotel. I, I was working with him at the time that Marlon got drafted and it especially left a mark on me because Marlon quit and it left us understaffed. But he said, look, my son was just drafted to the NFL. I'm going to go, go be with my son. So he said, okay, <laughs> fine. That's, that's fair. I guess. Um, also on the injury front, Tyler Croft, uh, with an MCL probably out a couple weeks, but you really expect to get Kittle back this week. I think if it had been a playoff game, he probably would have played. Yeah, most likely. So, so um, he's been limited in practice so far, but uh, all all signs are, are trending upwards for Kittle playing on Sunday night. Another uh, practice squad addition, uh, Tevin Coleman. Not sure if you heard about that one. That was that was recently announced. So, pretty sure we're going to the Super Bowl now. Um, <laughs> Tevin well, Coleman basically. Uh, Trey Sermon Sr. If you uh, need 2.9s a carry, like 2.9 <laughs> yards a carry, he's, he's your guy. He's your guy. So, yeah. yeah, not sure what Mac has left in the tank after his Achilles injury, but again, it's good to have some experienced runners back there. Um, you know, we have a, a very inexperienced running room right now, aside from Jeff Wilson. 
you know, rookies, undrafted guys. It is good to have a veteran presence. I wish there. we had not let Hasty go. Sermon, I get because Sermon just did not look like an NFL player even, but Hasty looked more explosive in preseason and you knew someone was going to get hurt. I wish we still had Hasty, but it's neither here nor there. I, I trust Shanahan to be able to manufacture. And frankly, the run game is less important now that we have a, a quarterback who the run game for him is is the slants and the screens and things like that. So we're still going to be able to eat up clock that way. Yeah, and just wrapping up, I think, uh, again, a great game for the defense to bounce back. Really clean game, eliminate those penalties. Uh, held DK Metcalf to only four catches for 35 yards. That's pretty outstanding. Uh, Lockett, of course, had nine catches for 107, but... A lot of that was, you know, dink and dunk stuff. No, no big uh, deep plays or, or busted coverages. Really great to see that cleaned up as well. Just a really great complete team win. And now we're on to Denver on Sunday Night Football. Russell Wilson, seventeen and four against the 49ers. Uh, some forty, some forty niner former players in this game, I should say. But uh, you've got Kwan Williams. I believe DJ Jones signed with Denver as well. So some familiar faces there. If we don't use Danny Gray on a slot fade against Kwan Williams, then I don't know what we're doing because we, we love Kwan. He was a great tackler, great near the line of scrimmage, but how often did he get burned out of the slot? You know. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly Cooper Cup ate him up, but Cooper Cup is basically unstoppable. This so it's not really fair to, to just compare the final game there. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the 49ers are able to do. Denver obviously really struggling so far to kind of find that rhythm and identity. Uh, not the start that they were hoping for or expecting. But again, the season's very young. We've only gone through two weeks. The Niners are 500 right now. Uh, same as the best team in their division. So basically start over, win some games, and uh, go from there. It could be worse, too. You've got all over the league. It's been such a crazy beginning of the NFL season. I think this week you've got the Raiders and Titans playing. Both were playoff teams. They're both 0-2. One of those teams is going to be 0-3. Yeah. So good for the 49ers to at least do what they were supposed to do, take care of business and handle the win. And now we're excited to see what they bring to the table on Sunday night. That's going to do it for us today. Be sure to like and subscribe. We are the Niners Bros.